Hello, hello. Happy April 2023, people. Thank you for coming back to another Surf and Sales podcast. We are super excited. Uh, it's a big month for us in Surf and Sales. Uh, one, we have the event coming up in November. Still some slots left. We actually have an alumni only. Scott, I wonder if someone listens to this podcast and they come to the first event in November, would we give them a discount to stay because they technically now be an alumni for the second event? We've never had anybody come to two events. That's true. So I think uh, that'd be kind I of a fun. Should. I think we should. All right. So it's the first so time. Basically a part of the crew at that point in time. Yes. Yes. So you get to come spend 10 or 11 days in Costa Rica hanging out with us, which is, of course, on everybody's bucket list. We know. Um, so, uh, Scott, a funny story. Um I actually have a uh, chat GPT writing why surf and sales is a good sales conference. And I have one from Bard, which is Google's and I haven't, I'm going to send it to you and Jeff, but uh, it'll be funny to see what it says. So I can't wait to see this. We've outsourced our own role. Yes. <laughs> um, need before we get into everything with, with our, our good friend, Tim Harris, uh, who is here from us, uh, director of product over at Unifone and host of the B2B EQ podcast. Uh, please check his out. But Got to say thanks to HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot has found us, we don't know how or why, um, and decided to put us on the HubSpot podcast network. And we are eternally grateful. We appreciate that. And there's a couple of podcasts that that they want us to talk about too. Uh, one is a good friend of ours, uh, Jason Bay, who I think we need to have back on, Scott. Like I think it's been a while since we've Yeah, been. I'll be in charge of that. I'll write you, a note right now. All right, there you go. There's one thing Scott can actually do. Otherwise, I do it all. Um and there's a couple of episodes that he's done. He's done one with um, Jen Allen about community growth and lead over at Lavender. Uh, she talks in the episode they did, uh, she'll talk about the old way of selling consensus to sell versus consensus on the problem, which I think is really cool. Like finally getting the team to understand there's an issue, not just a consensus to buy and get approval on the purchase. I thought that one was really good. And, um, and then of course, Udi. Scott, I don't even know if we've ever had Udi from Gong on. Have we? I have talked to him so many times. It feels like he must have been on the podcast. I don't think he I don't know. I think you might be right. I think you should bring him on. But he was on with Jason Bay on, on Jason's podcast. So uh, please be sure to go check them out. Uh, and Jason, it's called Outbound Squad. Outbound Squad by Jason Bay. Uh, check them out on his podcast. Check out those episodes. Check them out on LinkedIn. Uh, and without any further ado... Tim Harris, a man I'm very fond of because we have similar last names, but very different hairstyles as he has hair to style and I have none. So, uh, Tim, welcome, 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 my man. Hey, great to be here. Um, I really had a fun conversation with you recently and, and Scott, good to catch up. It's been a while. Love the Chico hat. <laughs> so throwback, throwback to pioneer days for anybody who's old school in Northern California. I'm telling you, my father, if he listens to this podcast, right? Because the two that I always can count on, mom and dad, right? Good, yes. good listens. I'm telling you, he's going to get a laugh at that. Yeah, I know I'm going to get at least one download on any episode that I do, and it's going to be my mom. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I still need to bring your mom on with you. I've done an interview of Scott's mom with his parents, but I want to bring her on with Scott. I think that'd be the best episode ever. Oh, one day. Yeah. Here we go. So, Maybe for the intros. Sure. <laughs> Yes, sure. we'll have her read the intro from now on. That would be hilarious. Uh, so let's let's 
you know, first thing, Tim, what is Unifone? Give people an understanding of that and give people an understanding of what it means to be the director of product marketing. We all kind of know, but we don't really know. We just have opinions about marketing. And it's different everywhere you go, right? Um, So I I moved from a a VP role at a a smaller startup to now director role of a startup inside of a startup. Unifor has been around for, God, 15 years. They started in India. Um, CEO, uh, tremendous man, uh, very smart and same age as myself. So someone I look up to, but also I'm always uh, amazed at what he's been able to create. And they worked in the contact center space for quite some time around conversational AI and uh, automation, uh, helping some really large global organizations in efficiency and effectiveness of their contact center. And we have recently, through acquiring a company out of Valencia, jumped into the conversational intelligence space. So uh, you're just talking about having Udi on. Um, that, That space has been red hot for sales and uh, if you're a company with the pedigree of analyzing and understanding conversations at scale, uh, you can definitely help sales leaders. So we're doing that from an idea of looking at the conversation, not just what is said, so not just the the spoken word, but the tone of voice. And um, now that all of these interactions are on video, the uh, behavioral cues and, and the way we interact with each other. So really the human side of selling and AI is even getting involved in that. I know we were talking about chat GPT. So all over the place. Well, we, we'll need to make sure that you get on Jason Bay's podcast. We'll see if we can help you there. So I appreciate since it. Since he had Udi on, might as well have you see if there's a different perspective, right? Hey, so. it's, it's, it's all interesting in the tech world because there's all of us are such leading edge. Like you, you get into CI or you get into any of these spaces and it's like, you're amazed with how many people haven't used chat GPT yet, even though it's all over the place and there's a million users, you know, there's a billion people out in the world. It's just in its infancy. Yep. CI, I think in sales teams is the same thing. So all, all of us, you know, raise the, raise the tides together. That's kind of weird to think about the bubble that we're in. You're saying we're all on the cutting edge of sorts. Mm-hmm. I feel all the time, just like nobody has any new good ideas. That's just what I, I'm just like reading everything. It's like, we all suck. We've all peaked. Nobody has anything new. And then you say you leave this little bubble and you go to this other part of the universe and people are like, whoa, mind blown. You've done all this. We've got to get outside of the tech bubble is what I'm hearing, Richard. I think it's true. You know, it's, it's, you're playing at a high level where we're really innovative and and inventive and trying a lot of things, but think of, you know, those, those curves and and you think of how many people it takes to adopt something and really get it understood and used. We were just talking to, to Forrester and their take on the market is that like most sales organizations use CI as just like a call recorder still to this day. Yeah. And they don't know what else. They're not using it to coach. Yeah, to coach, to listen in and to to find just the key moments and snippets or to save them time or, yep. you know, to to sell as a team and, and some of the different things that, you know, this, you're sitting in. Why Scott and I will have job security forever <laughs> because people are still idiots, even when they have the technology to do it for them. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. We'd have to get a real job. Scott, Scott's problem is that if it gets too technical, he becomes the idiot because he's, you know. The, yeah, the I just have to, I just need to know just enough to be dangerous. Right. Really what it is. Right. Richard, you go figure point. out how to how to connect the call recording to our coaching session. I'll give all the coaching. That's how it works. 
Hey, but at the end of the day, it comes down to the human side still. Yeah. Like that's, so, that's yeah, important. I want to, I want to jump in on, uh, you know, the marketing and sales and, you know, the dogs and cats and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think my, my question is, what do we get wrong in sales about product marketing in that role? What do you think we get wrong? And, and what do we get right? What do we, what have we learned? I don't know, but I always like to start with negatives. You know, I think there's a recent post I saw and I'll give Jared credit because it's a lot of, you know, different people sharing the same message, but it's this idea of like, we come on and we want content about our products and about our services and about our features. And this is what we have and this is what we do. And people think, oh, that's the job of product marketing to go supply all that. But that's not what people really buy in any sales professional that I've found, like the ones that are really good at engaging me about a product when I'm buying are the ones that are like listening and they're asking questions and they understand my market and they understand my industries. And they're not really telling me about the features and those things. Like I'm more asking about those things once we've figured out a, a problem to solve or a tactic to try and deploy. And so I think there's always a mishap of like, can product marketing give me this product content? Can you give me that feature sheet? Can you give me this like slick on this? But that's not typically what moves a deal forward, especially like in an enterprise deal. Like they can just go get that off a website or read it off a blog or something else. Like, well, that, th this was kind of, I'm going to ask you like a tough question, given that you're yeah. director of product marketing. Like you're talking about how all this information is available and people can go get it. It's on the website. It's on the blog post, whatever. Is the role of a product marketer here to stay? Is it going to go, is it going away? Hear me out because yeah. SDRs and AEs and even sales leaders. Now everybody's doing product marketing and content <laughs> marketing and brand building and all this kind of thing. So do we need your role? Are you the one steering the ship, keeping everybody in line? Or are you just like, Hey, Scott just fired. He just put you on a pip. You got invited. I, to I'm just asking a question. On a pip. <laughs> hey, I'm going surfing. That's that works. I'm asking I'll, a question. I'll out. It, no, it's a good question. I I guess I could say the same thing, like vice versa to, to sales. And then I'd probably just frustrate a lot of people that are listening, but it's like, is sales just a channel to distribute a message yes. and do we need I, a seller? Right? Like I a hundred percent agree with that. That is yeah. a valid question to be, to be asking. I want to, I want to have that dialogue. Yeah. And so I think like, to me, it's this, it's, it's a team sport. Like I played rugby. I may not look like it, but I played rugby for, for quite a few years at a pretty high level. You didn't have to be the biggest person out there to be really effective. Although the biggest person out there could also really be effective, right? Like everybody had a role to play and a skill set that added to how you could progress the ball down the field. And I think if we're really looking at like, how do you build a team today? I think it's how are you going to progress the ball down the field? And then what are the players you need to do that? Like you can play different styles. Yeah. I, and I, and I, that's I how quick, I see it. I have two quick thoughts on that. Number one, yeah. Tim must be super fast because yes. he doesn't look beat up at all from playing rugby. So I was looking at his ears. Avoided everybody. For the cauliflower ear. Yeah, yeah. He just ran around and avoided everybody. So if, if that's the case, and I, and I agree with you, why the hell does everybody have different goals? That's the tough part. I think there's, I think everybody has, should have, 
different leading indicators, different metrics of like, like, for example, if I'm going to be really good at being fast and avoiding people and running around the field, I got to have some metrics around like, I'm fast, I'm not slouching, I'm, I'm, you know, those types of things. Yeah. So for a product marketer, it could be specific metrics around initiatives that you're trying to push, whether, it, whether it's like evangelism and getting the word out. So it's how many people am I talking to and how many people are listening to what we're getting out into the market from a self-serve side. Now, it still has to be tied back to revenue, right? And we all have to, I think, share in that. But I think the leading indicators can be different. What, what is product marketing KPI? What are your KPIs? In so general? for, for right now, we, we do tie back to revenue, right? So I'm in, I'm in the conversation around revenue around two things. What accounts are coming in and how are they engaging and where are they coming in from? What channels? And then also in the buying journey, where are they getting stuck and how can both teams support because there is a revenue target at the end that we're all we're all working towards. Um, so a lot of the metrics for me right now are, do we have content out there that's bringing people in in a self-serve way, right? And are we getting, getting people to come through those channels, educate themselves and come in? And we providing the right engagement there. And then it's also, okay, in the buying journey, like where are they getting stuck and how is marketing supporting to move them forward? But don't we don't we run into a mess of attribution? Oh, you do. I think that's the hardest part is like when it becomes a, oh, they did this, they oh. did that, like everybody's yeah. numbers. So why, can't, so why can't why can't I just why can't I just start a company right now and just yeah. be like, Richard, you're in charge of sales, Tim, you're in charge of marketing. Our goal by January one is to have a million dollars in revenue. Don't fucking care how you do it. Go make it happen. Well, I think, I think you just nailed it. It's not a question of attribution being the problem. It's a question of compensation. It's a compensation question that you're really talking about. And people get very emotional about money and they hide it in this smoke screen of the word attribution. And they're always looking, I was just talking about this earlier. They're always looking for somebody else to blame. They're not looking for someone to give credit. They're looking to give, to give blame. Oh, marketing got it. That means sales doesn't. Fuck you, sales. Because yeah, oh, we've all been in those arguments before. It's, oh, God, yeah. it's so frustrating. And I remember just thinking like, who cares? We just right. close the deal. We like, should all be giving, happy right now. The, the amount of brain energy and time. Yeah. Like I tell this people all the time, take the five people who are having this conversation, combine all their salaries, divide it by the hour. And based on the fact that even if it's a 20 minute conversation, you just wasted an entire hour of time over a compensation question of $300 for your SDR, what should you have been doing with that 20 minutes, each of you to grow your fucking business? Like that's, that's the math behind it. Right. And it just frustrates me to no end. So, um, so I, I think got it's, I think compensation, I've just like been off that a little bit because the other thing I've found is when you get two people that, that see marketing and sales and how they interact the same way, like philosophically view it the same way, it's a hell of a lot easier than when you get two people that are like, these two circles don't overlap at all. Like, like you've come from one world where it's totally sales driven and marketing's just been make things look pretty. And when the lead yeah. comes in, marketing don't touch it or vice versa. Like if, if you don't see the world, so, the so same that, way, that, that should potentially be sussed out like in the interviewing process yep. as we're making sure Tim and Scott 
are going to vibe and get along or if they literally yeah. come from like two different planets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Should be. Should be. Yeah. Because because that's that's where I think things get off on like a, a really tough foot. And at that point, you know, you're trying to take almost two religions and form them together. That's tough. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to win there. Yeah, I, I, that's that's super interesting. I have, a, I have a question for you on the product marketing side. I'm going to shift. Yeah. Who on the product marketing team is supposed to be talking to the prospects and customers? So I, I try and listen all over the place. What do you mean? For myself, like I'm a single product marketer for our product. So I, I kind of have a, a, a jack of all trades type of, of overview. I don't have a big team right now in the in the product marketing side. So it's either listen to sales calls and recordings afterwards and get some intel there because I want to have that pulse and we're trying to find that product market fit and bring this to market. So it's it's a newer product. But to me, there shouldn't be any barriers to talking to prospects or customers across so that's my next market. question. Have you ever, it may be at a previous role, and again, you're 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 a team of one. So yeah. bandwidth is a, it matters, right? And if you've got a recording, you can I can support that. Yeah. But shouldn't you shouldn't someone in this role be cold calling and talking to people and prospects and customers as much as customer success does, or even prospects or not to try and pitch them and sell them, but to, to understand their pain. Like I often find that that's just not happening. It's um, not, you know, it's yeah. not, you're right. And I mean, for us, like the, the podcast is, is a great tactic to do that, right? It's a great tactic. You get a feeler out on the market and listen and, and bring someone on and ask them some questions, but you're spot on. I spend probably half of my time out talking to people in the market that are either influencers, people that would be, you know, around a solution like this or people that be the decision maker. And hell, some of the people I've just been talking to recently are the customers I had at former former companies you worked at because you you knew them from those, like you built those strong relationships even there. Yeah, that's, that's the biggest pain I see. My next, I have a follow-up yeah. to that is, it's my belief, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, that with the best of intentions, product marketing and marketing want to write content that's meaningful to salespeople and it misses the mark. So often I feel like I see marketing messaging. I can go to anybody's website and it tells me what you do. I don't want to know what you do. I want to know the pain that you solve. I want the Tylenol headache commercial where someone's holding their hand on their forehead and it's red. When I land on your webpage, I want to go, that's me. How have you figured out a way to make that better? Should they be separate? Maybe it's like, well, no, Richard, you kind of need to do this and you need to do it this way because, you know, it is two different things. I think that there's different parts, like, like everybody comes to a website at different stages of the journey. And I think the pain message is a, is a critical one, but I think people try and have a website. We're just talking with Brent Adamson. He was saying like the website interaction has always been kind of shitty, right? It just is like you get on, it's a general website. Maybe it's got a cookie where it changes some content to you or to your persona or to your, but it's a lot of it's a guess. And none of us are one size fits all. Like not every CRO has the same pain point. Not every RevOps person has the same pain point. And a website's a one-to-many. It's not a one-to-one. -one. So I think you also, to some extent, have to have this, this balance where how do you feel 
comfortable in a marketing message that's one to many and be confident in that. And then also understand and have the empathy from a seller that's like, hey, I can give you the one to many, but your job is to take it one to one. Your job is to make it personal. That's that's how I see some of that difference between like the product marketing and the website and like that sales interaction. So I so Scott, I'm gonna make you change your website and it wants to be a little bit of a lively one. And all I want it to be is a fire and cash just dropping in. (laughs) And it's and whoever lands on your website and it just says, if you feel like you're losing money and burning it unnecessarily, we need to talk. That's my one to many selects. If you put if, if if you took two prospect messages, put them side by side, one was from sales and one was from marketing. Should you be able to tell the difference between the two? That's no. what that, that's what that's what Tim's kind of talking about. You said you said no, but a minute ago you just said well the one to many versus the one to one piece. So. I thought for sure you would say, yes, I should be able to tell the difference. You should be able to tell the difference, but it should be in the same voice, right? So, so the thing that's really tough is like maintain the same voice, make sure it feels like it's coming to, from the same. So how does does somebody tactically maintain the same voice? What does that, what does that mean? Yeah. I feel like I know what you mean, but it's like, how, how can we articulate that to people who hear that and they're like, well, that was a great buzzword, Scott. What the fuck does that mean? So <laughs> how can somebody tactically keep the same voice? If you think of brands that have a really strong voice, like one that I was thinking of recently was, was Nike. Now consumer space, but think of Nike. Think of a big billboard of a Nike billboard that's like the just do it. You know, the one that they just ran where it's like, we're there in the dark mornings and all that stuff. That's a big message. That's a big why statement for Nike as a brand. That's that's their message and their mantra and and, and kind of how marketing speaks to the world. The burning right? cap pile of money on your website, Scott. <laughs> but then if a seller came out and was like, hey, check out these new running shoes. They're really flashy and cool. Like that doesn't yeah. jive. But if Off somebody brand. came up yeah. and said like, hey, I'm Scott. I went on this journey with Nike and now I'm here to help you on yours. Yeah. Let's talk about what your goals are and what you're trying to chase down. Oh, wow. Well, I just read that really aspirational message here. And that seller just brought it to life one-to-one with me. Good. That's good. That's much, that I think is much better tactical advice than just like saying, got to keep the same voice. I think yeah, yeah. know what that means, but then they're like, how do I do that? So appreciate you breaking that down. Richard, mid-roll time, dude. Yeah. I got to find the document, dude. This is the best part, isn't it? So prepared. This is this is why I got too many windows open. Uh, but this is why we're so fun and why we don't do pre-reports because it makes it more interesting. And yeah. now yeah. Scott can talk to me. About- yeah, no, I'll, I'll 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 let you keep searching. You you said something uh, before we got started, Tim. Like mm-hmm. the way people go to market is changing. Yeah. What do you mean by that? I think. The last 10 years from my, from my vantage point, and I've worked in the sales engagement space and, you know, I grew up my marketing career in the, you know, HubSpot podcast on, on the HubSpot kick of the lead funnel and the landing page and the, the automated nurture and kind of all those pieces. And I don't think that those things are totally going away, 
But I, I said it today on LinkedIn. I, you can tell when you get dropped into a 30 touch nurture sequence, they have the wrong Salesforce data. And like Tim Harris must be on the East Coast somewhere because I'm getting hit up on the phone at like five in the morning, three times. And it's totally just push the easy button, send out a bunch of emails, hit 20,000 people and hope that 2% respond. I agree. That tactic is just dead. And it's dead both in the marketing space as it is in the sales space. Like I'll be the first one to say marketing ruins friggin' everything. Like chat GPT, watch. Like now how many more email sequences are there? Because I can go into chat GPT and literally say, write me a five email sequence for this persona, this person, and then boom, copy paste. Now I send it out to 20,000 so, people. And and there's, look, you know, and there are plenty of tools out there that'll actually integrate that in, right? <laughs> and yeah. Because to me, if you're still going to chat GPT and typing it in and then copying, pasting it into your system, I think that's a colossal waste of time. Just like when, you know, old school, I'm old enough to know, we'll go find their email address, copy and paste it into the CRM, update CRM information, right? All that stuff. So actually, interestingly enough, this is a really good segue because I do want to start talking a little bit about AI and chat GPT and our good friends and um, sponsors over at HubSpot. And this is what they want us to share. So I promise this is worth your time. So don't fast forward. Hey, are you sick of I sick and tired of wasting your precious time on tedious tasks like pulling reports and rewriting blog posts and trying to personalize your countless prospecting emails? It's exactly what Tim said. We did not teach him up to bring this up before this ad roll. Uh, say no more. Because I got some new AI tools for you. Well, I, I hope HubSpot doesn't hate me. Um, so they actually have, uh, the cool part is HubSpot does have an AI tool. Uh, and it's a content assistant and they call it ChatSpot. It's very cool. I've taken a look at it, played around with it a little bit. And it is actually helping to streamline this piece. Um, and content assistant uses the power of uh, ChatGPT to help create your content outlines, your outreach emails, your web pages. You can copy and paste in seconds. Uh, and in case that wasn't enough, they created ChatSpot, a conversational growth assistant that connects to your HubSpot CRM for great unbeatable support. So it's not just about sales. Like if we're only thinking about AI as sales, I think we're all limited and it's a whole revenue of play. Like it's all kinds of stuff you can do. So with their chat-based commands, you can manage contacts, run reports, and even ask for status updates. Uh, the easy-to-use CRM just got easier. Head over to HubSpot.com slash artificial intelligence to get early access. HubSpot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. Oh, I forgot that. HubSpot.com slash artificial dash intelligence. Um, which I wish they just put that out. They put it out in words. So they got to come up with a better URL. I think I said that last time. So anyway, let's get back to the show. Thank you, HubSpot. We love you. Thank you for bearing uh, with Richard's snarkiness. So. You did so good, Richard. Nobody fast forwarded. Not a single person. <laughs> Not a single person. Not a single person. Oh, man. We'll have to ask them that because I think they can monitor that. <laughs> so... Uh, all right. Well, I closed down my other note to you, Scott. What was the other topic we were going to bring up? Well, we wanted to talk a little bit about chat GP 7,000 and all that kind of stuff. 
all those all those fun AI tools and how everybody's branded it the same way. Right. Chat, whatever. Should some should there should you have to disclose whether you actually authored some piece of content yourself or had an artificial intelligence tool craft no. it for you? No. Okay. Richard says no. Tim, what do you think? I think the byline is going to become the most important thing soon. I, I absolutely the, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, like who, who wrote it? Who wrote it, right? Like your byline, like Tim Harris, former blah, 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 wrote this article. Like there's credibility in that. I think we're going to get to a point where we're producing so much crap. And I say crap because it's like, it's all going to be the same. It's all going to yeah. be like 80% content where it's 80% great, but it's not the 20% that's insightful or amazing. And those people that are still amazing journalists that have really cool POV and like really cool background and experience are going to be the ones that that get most of the heightened following. So tell them why he's wrong, Richard. I don't think people are really going to be able to tell. I don't think the lay person is. There's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to tell me, oh, yeah, I can tell. No, you fucking can't. Right? <laughs> Please give me a break. Those are the same people who tell me that when they take the Myers-Briggs thing where they're like, oh, it nailed me on this, but I got all this other stuff wrong. No, it didn't. It didn't. Like, it's not possible. So I, that's my, you know. You don't think well, you don't think people will be able to tell the difference? They can right now, but you're just saying that the AI tool will improve to the point where no one will be able to tell. Yeah, I don't think so. I also think that if I go and write, the interesting thing will be if I use an AI tool and have it automatically post somewhere. And I don't take a moment to look at it and go, wait a minute, I need to add this little piece about me in, right? That's where I think, like if I saw something that was written that didn't have Scott's personality, I could probably tell that because I know Scott that well. Scott could probably do the same thing for Richard. That being said, I've already written some content using it and it's pretty good. And it's, I, you know, nobody's called me out on it. Like, and if they do, so what? You've written my content. I, I mean, that's what, that's one perspective. If they call you out on it, so what? But from my, my perspective, if I'm going to uh, read both of your content and all of a sudden Richard's like, yeah, I, I have this fucking AI tool, write everything for me. And Tim is like, all my thoughts are my own. And I read it all myself. For me personally, I stopped paying attention to Richard's stuff and I pay attention to Tim stuff. But that's only if I say it. That's only if someone knows I did it. Correct. 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 Well, you just said you're going to get called out on it. And you're like, whatever. No, if they do call me out on it, I'd be like, whatever. Like, okay. So, but that doesn't mean I'm going to admit to it. I, you yeah. know me, Scott. What would I say? Someone calls me out. Oh, I know. Like, You'd be like, so what? What difference does it make? Did it help you? Yes. Great. Who cares? Yeah. That's yeah. kind of my point. And but most I people would be like, okay. He stood up for himself. He admitted it. And yeah, it was helpful. Even you, but, Scott, would do that. But me. I'll challenge. Yeah, but I'll challenge that if everybody then sounds the same, right? Because like LinkedIn is a giant, like one person posts something and then it gets copied 50 times. And then it never just sounds like a Scott. It never, never annoys him. Yeah. <laughs> and I then it sounds like a big text. echo chamber, right? Yeah. Like at a certain point, it, whether whether you call it your own writing or maybe it was even ai assisted but like the person who has the creativity like creativity i think is our final competitive advantage because everybody has the same website everybody says they have the same features everybody says they have the same this and that 
we're now writing everything with AI. It's all going to sound the same. Like I hate to be on a rant, but I think that the creative is the only thing that's going to make a difference. But who's to say it can't be like, I've written stuff. Like I've got, you know, I, I, I'm going to post it too. I'm going to be like, Hey, here's what chat GPT and here's what Bard said about the surf and sales event. This is what you should take to your boss to who you should go because both the AI tool said you should go Amy to go, you know, like, like, I think that's good stuff. I think it, I think there's context to it and how you do it, right? Um, I think it would also, Scott, let me ask you this question. If I said, if I had it right, um, you know, hey, you know, write me a list of blah, 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 blah. And I put in LinkedIn, hey, this is what ChatGPT says. What do you think? Is that me cheating? I, my argument would be no, because you're disclosing it. Yeah. Okay. So... This is, this is a similar debate, I suppose. Um, you know, people are starting to say, should you have to disclose if you're being paid to endorse XYZ? Oh, product? God, I had this question the, the other day. The influencer marketing stuff, right? Yeah. Like, I posted this picture of me in Salesforce's hoodie the other day. And somebody literally commented, like, I guess you're getting paid for this. Uh, it's disappointing because I always respected your like independent brand or whatever. Gotcha. And I'm like, uh, I did not get paid. Um, <laughs> actually, I would have loved to get paid. It's just like a nice sweatshirt. But should you should you have to disclose that? There's a lot of people who say you should. If I go talk right now about Unifor, yeah, and you know you paid me a hundred bucks to make a post or whatever you pay me, should I have to have a disclaimer at the bottom? Yes or no? It gets fuzzy. So, so my ethics in me, I guess like, you know, going to Catholic school and all those things and, and mom on this shoulder goes like, you kind of do because it's tough. And I mean, a lot of that's gone on with like the ad campaigns on influencers for like Instagram and, and those pieces. So like, I look at it from that marketing lens where they okay, do Richard, have to share. Do you agree with him? No. So I will do it when I'm told I have to do it. Right. Um, that's and a good point. In, and in addition, and I think it's, you know, there's a difference because Scott, you and I have this, right? Like people do ask us to do things. Yeah. We also do it for things that we believe in. Yeah. And we don't talk about things. Hey, you should go check it out just because they're cool. Right. There's, you know, one of the things I always do is if someone asks me to do it, I'm like, well, you got to give me some thought leadership to why I should promote this. Right. You want access to my audience. Well, my audience wants advice tactical advice and so i think if i blend those two things together i don't have to worry about it right and it's no different than you know well what if they pay me to speak and they ask me to run something on linkedin do i need to run a disclaimer i've been speaking at places for a long time some free some paid mostly free i've never had to just do i need to disclaim that i did it for free no. So now, you know, I don't know how it works on the Instagram and the Kardashians and the legal aspect of all that stuff. If someone comes along and says, you got to do it, I'll find a fun way to do it. Right. Like That's, that's what you do. I like, I like your point on the differentiation between like, if I only am a brand that will endorse stuff that I use, that it's like truly something I'm passionate about or believe in, I can see that being more organic and real. And then, Hey, happens to be that you're sponsored by them or something, but you truly do believe it and live it. 
I think that's where the authenticity comes in. I think Scott, like to your point with chat GPT or any of these things, like if you can just be transparent and authentic, real about it, then, then I think you're overall clear. But I think in general, the flip side is we kill trust. Hmm. And I think like at the end of the day, like trust is what moves, trust and confidence is what moves this market. Like, I don't buy if I don't trust you, if I don't like you, and if I'm not confident in the decision. How does that hurt trust? How does that hurt my trust if I talk about HubSpot? Because I question why you're talking about it. Yeah. So, so I, could, I could, in theory, question your intent. Are you questioning my intent or are you trying to question my integrity? Well, intent first, which potentially leads me down the road towards questioning your integrity. Which, you know, Scott, exactly. I'm not right. talking about you personally. I'm just having the Scott, argument. you're always talking about me personally. It's always I'm just trying to have the dialogue <laughs> here. Uh, it's a good question. I don't know. Um, I'm not convinced that I have to. Although, look, someone I, wants to, to. Here's the deal. My cell phone number is 415-596-9149. 415-596-9149. Text me and tell me you listen to this episode and text me and tell me that one, you're going to become an alumni and come to both surf and sales. And two, text me if you think I should disclose my ads, if yeah, I have see, to write something. This, you're actually making a good point though. This is how I think you combat it, Tim. Yeah. Because if you do enough other things that mm -hmm. are super raw, super authentic, just, you know, you are your real self. You're mm -hmm. giving and giving and giving. Richard just gave out his phone number, which he's done many times before, right? Like you have built up this bank of goodwill yeah, or intent to trust or whatever, right? And so, you know, if you make a post about a particular brand, you'd be like, well, he, he must like this thing. But if you're lacking and devoid of all of that, mm -hmm. if you are somebody that doesn't interact with your network, if you are not giving and you're always taking and that's your kind of perception, if everything that you do seems automated and templated and you're never sharing or revealing anything about your real self, now I think I'm more prone to question your intent and integrity. So I think, I think that's potentially how you could combat it. I, I think you're spot on with that because I think you're right. Like Richard has a bank of trust. People know him, people trust him. People are going to say, okay, he's a straight shooter with things. Like he'd probably tell me an honest review of XYZ product, even if he endorsed it. Hey, then it's a different conversation. But if you're just bought and sold, I think that's where people are like, I'm over that. I, there's too much noise in the market. It's just bought and sold. It'd be interesting to see someone who's just bought and sold and how they're surviving in, on that methodology. Because for, prior to being bought and sold, they would have had to build the brand. Yeah. Right. You know, so that would be an interesting, I like what you said, Scott, that was a really good answer. So that was, maybe that's the answer I'm going to give when people ask me. So yeah, feel free to listen to the episode again, Richard, and commit to memory. My random off the cuff thought, you know, because it was <laughs> such gold for you, Richard. Oh, Jesus. Feel free. Feel free. Tim, Tim this has been awesome, man. man. We, uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. We've had a real good chat, some good dialogue. It's always fun when we have like different points, uh, different perspectives and, and disagreements and all that kind of thing. We like to, we like to end every show by saying, 
you have any questions for us, how can we be helpful to you? So, got yeah. Thoughts? Well, you know, I I would say this. To me, it's it's two things. Where do you see sales in the next few years? What skills are going to be the differentiating skills? That's number one. And number two would be where what are what are the biggest challenges you're seeing out there for revenue teams today? I'll take the second one. All right. Richard, I'll take the the biggest challenge for revenue teams today. You take the first one. Okay. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? No, you go first. So um Scott's gonna love it. What was the question again? I was taking a note for putting it. <laughs> <laughs> God, you're so old. Where's the future? I'm of sales putting going? in the HubSpot show notes. Come on. There you like, go. Where's the future of sales going? And, and what are the skills that are going to make or break okay. sales teams in the so next few years? Future, future of sales and the skills are, I just said this uh, earlier today on another podcast because of the AI. There's going to, I feel like there's going to be this morph of a SDR sales engineer type role whose job will be to work through the AI stuff and align it with the sales messaging to what you were talking about earlier, Tim, that may be different, right? The one-to-many piece, mm -hmm. build that out. So it's it's going to fall into this sort of SDR sales engineer, sales ops messaging role that will truly, and it might even become a revenue title, because it's going to live with sales, but have a strong connection to marketing and messaging. Um, and so I think that's a, a future of that top of the funnel. I think that um, Scott's been harping on it a long time, and I'm finally agreeing, is that reps, there's no excuse for them not to be full cycle anymore, right? They, you know, particularly AEs who, who hated prospecting or didn't like it or were never really trained on it, which I think is a big problem. Mm -hmm. um, they now have the tools to do it. And I think that it'll be slow, but now that they have the tools around AI, those who adopt and adapt the fastest will become the most successful, right? Um, and they will learn how to quote unquote, be their own SDR, so to speak. So I think that's one piece. And then the last piece that I'll say is that I think our entire EQ as salespeople is going to improve. And so will sales training and best practices because AI is not about top of the funnel. Yep. You could use it to, how do I negotiate with procurement? How do I uh, do a best demo practice? Here's my demo script. What should I cut out of it? There's all kinds of things in the middle of the funnel. How do I talk to this persona? How do I talk to this persona in a different company? All that kind of stuff. And I think that, um, if I do that enough times, well, I've just trained myself to do it and I don't have to even put it in there anymore. So I think there's this whole enhancement of the EQ side that's coming um, that people haven't thought about yet. And we're not there yet, but I think that can be, you know, a, an important piece. So anyway, I'll shut up now. Scott, do you remember your question or does he need to repeat? Yeah, he's talking, talking about the biggest challenges for uh, go-to-market teams right now. Yep. Right? I mean, it's, I think it's just getting people's attention. I mean, if I was thinking the other day about how when I first started cold calling, it was the typical kind of, you know, make a hundred calls a day type of thing. And I legitimately used to be able to have 15, 20 conversations a day. Mm -hmm. That does, that, that's like a month's worth for some people. 
you know, I saw a post from um, a gong SDR today, said he went 0 for 80 yesterday, made 80 calls and didn't have a single conversation, right? So that's tough. Nobody, but yeah, think yeah. about why though. Like nobody picks up their phone. No, well, that was I my question. Not, I don't pick up my phone for anybody. Richard yeah. calls me and I make a decision. Do I feel like talking to Richard right now? Sometimes I don't pick up the phone even when I know somebody. If I don't know your number, if it's not plugged into my phone yep. and I'm not expecting your call, there's like a 0% chance I'm picking up the phone. I don't use my voicemail. My voicemail literally says, I never check this, just text me. Yep. <laughs> so if you don't have the ability to text me from whatever phone you called, you're fucked. You're not getting through to me. Okay. <laughs> if you think about email, everybody has 9 million emails flying through. And all the spam filters. Yeah. There you go. Because even if it's a legit email, we're all on the defensive so much trying to prevent spam and noise, yep. and sales messages or whatever from coming through or some hack to like steal your identity. We're all so defensive. Nobody fucking replies or opens emails anymore. Yep. The email uh, open rate and reply rates are like sub 1%. So go ahead, spend as much time as you want trying to write the perfect email. It's not getting through. Okay, yeah, well, no, let's let's, no one's even seeing it. Let's pivot over to social. Guess what's happened to the LinkedIn inbox DM? It's destroyed. It was never very good to begin with, but like it's destroyed. We all got a million messages in there now. So how the hell are you going to get through to some? That's the biggest challenge that I think everybody's facing. That's where I, yeah. it happens to be an influencer and get paid to get through. <laughs> that's where, again, Scott, that, <laughs> and it goes full circle. Scott, like you're, you're, you're opening the curtain and you're explaining, well, that's why they contact us to do these things. By the way, neither Scott nor I are doing a ridiculous amount of money on influencer marketing. <laughs> you know, believe yeah, me. I bought a bowl of Chipotle the other day with my influencer check, Richard. Exactly. And Chipotle might send you one for that one. There you go. Doubling down. They so. should. They should think about that. <laughs> we do. We do need. I. 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 I've asked for, it, but I'm going to say it again too for anybody over at HubSpot. Get us some swag. Get us a hat. Yeah. Get us a shirt. Something we can wear in the podcast. Yeah. We do the videos too, so we want to. We want to be supportive to them. We that's how, that's what I think, Tim. It's just incredibly hard to get in touch with somebody. So I, I'm feeling it the same way in marketing. I think overall, in general, awareness, like just getting people's attention, is is brutal and. It, it, to me, it's a, it's a brand thing. Like the companies I see doing re like better than average are mainly just because they have a brand. Yeah, you know, Scott, you know whose fault that is, by the way, all this noise? Product marketing's fault. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Fueling all those spam cannons, right? right? Oh, man. So Tim, we have one last question for you. Um, it goes all the way back to the beginning. And um, it's the most we important don't question about this sport. We don't know a lot about this sport. So you might have to explain it. What positions, based on what you know about Scott and I, what position would we play if we were on your rugby team, and what would our role be? Ah, those are good. Those are good positions. Well, you two work well together. So let's say scrum half and and uh, fly half. Okay. Now and the reason so why what does that mean? I don't know what, do. what those mean. Yep. Right. Yep. So this is why. So Richard. Look, you're going to be right at the middle of those eight men around you. Get your head down there and, and, and you're going to make sure you drop that ball in nicely so we can get the ball back to Scott. So, so think of, you know, eight guys that are, that are triple my size, all binding up and pushing against each other like this as my fingers go together, right? 
you're going to put a ball right in the middle of there and, and you're going to make sure that your team pushes, kind of guide them, coach them a little bit, move them forward. Get that am ball I in the out. middle of the scrum or am I on the outside pushing? You're, don't worry. You're on the outside. You're close. You're safe. Oh, good. Hey, right. you're Scott safe. All excited. Scott oh, I like, thought, oh, you, were, yeah, I thought you, you were in the trenches. I thought he said <laughs> you were in the trenches. <laughs> we, won't, we won't call Richard a hooker. No, he's, he's not a hooker. So, so what does Scott do? Then, then Scott's going to be waiting for that ball, right? Because he's got his sales team out behind him. He's got a bunch of guys looking good, ready to go. He's going to get that ball and then distribute it and run up the field. There you go. I like this. I like this plan. Hey, this is pre that's pretty much how it is. Richard has to dig into the technical shit and then Scott carries the things forward. Scott, how many times have I said, I come up with this great idea. I try it. It kind of goes okay. And then you take it and you run with it a yeah. thousand times better than me. So no, there, there's been a few. There's yeah. been a few. We all, we all have a role to play, Richard. Exactly. There so, it is. Tim nailed it. So Tim nailed it. So. Thanks again, Tim. We appreciate it. Hey, thank man. you so much. This was a lot Tim, of fun. We appreciate it, my man. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, Richard Scott, thank you so much for having me on and uh have a great time on the on the next trip in November. Thank, thank you. you.